Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What does the word content really mean? It simply means this fully satisfied with whatever God brings into my life. Jesus knew that the money monster would never satisfy us. King Solomon was able to have everything your wild imagination could come up with. And he pursued it all in that book of Ecclesiastes with these words. It's all emptiness. It's simply a waste of time. The book of Ecclesiastes tells the story of the richest man in the world pursuing the meaning of life. This journey, though, didn't include the God of the Bible. He studied philosophy, wealth, and pleasure, among other things. He had virtually unlimited resources to do as much as he wanted to. And in the end, he was as dissatisfied as he was at the start of his quest. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that there's only one place to find lasting contentment and fulfillment. It's through an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he continues his message. Ah, contentment. It's very difficult to have wealth and not trust in it. It's incredibly difficult to have wealth and not trust in it. You see, for much of the world that has no wealth, they have no problem with this at all. It's not an issue to them. Turn with you to Mark chapter 10, and we'll go down to verse 23. Jesus knew this statement. He knew this principle well. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he came to this earth, We hear these statements like, he didn't have a place to lay his head. And that's because Jesus, he knew the riches on this earth didn't mean anything. Everything he needed, God would provide his father. And when he left the earth, he wouldn't be back in heaven where obviously there's paradise. So Jesus would begin to warn us about our hearts. Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How easy it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Is that right? But many people think that. Jesus said exactly the opposite. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. Remember in Jewish time, if you were rich, it was a sign of God's favor. And they're so, so they're saying to Jesus, what are you saying to us? And Jesus says, 
how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus said again that very same statement, and then he explained it. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are even more amazed and said to each other, Well then, who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Why did Jesus know that people with wealth would have a hard time maintaining a relationship that was vibrant with God? Because of this very fact. People with wealth trust in their wealth. And that's why I open, is your worth, is your contentment, is your joy, is your satisfaction in possessions? 401k, your home, your car, your bank account, your income. Most people in our country are net worth. That becomes our God. That's exactly what Jesus says. See, most people think more wealth, more secure. By the way, in the last few weeks, has that proven true? Exactly the opposite. We all of a sudden finding there's no security. You go and it's not there. It's devalued. So then in Luke 12, you don't need to turn there. Look at this. Then he said, I know I'll tear down this rich man. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and my other goods. And I'll sit back, my translation, secure, got it made, life's taken care of, $5,000 a month for the rest of my life, guaranteed, everything else is paid off, no debt. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for many years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Understand, eat, drink, and be merry is not a servant of God. But what was Florida built around? If you went to St. Petersburg 25 years ago in St. Petersburg, 30 years ago, you found green benches. The green benches were a sign of what? People that had wealth, and they came to Florida to do what? Eat, drink, and be married. Because they what? They retired. And they had a good retirement, and they were set for life. How many people today that are working in industry have a great retirement to look forward to? Did you see the news recently? More and more parents now are moving back in with their kids when they get to retirement age. Why? They don't have any money. Linda and I kind of joked last night. Which one are you going to and which one am I going to? (laughs) I hope my kids aren't listening because they'll probably, I'll get an email or something, whatever. So we said, we'll pay them back. I'm going to go with here and you're going to go with there. They wouldn't like it. We wouldn't like it. We've done there, been there, had that, forget it. 
But why is that happening? That was on the news yesterday. Why are all those people moving back in? Because they have nothing to be secure with. So this man thought he had it made. But notice the last statement. But God said to him, not you wise investor, but you fool. You will die this very night, and who will get everything you work for? Next, the love of money can cause spiritual decline and unfruitfulness. Unfruitfulness. Remember I told you in Timothy that those people wandered from the faith. Eat, drink, and be merry is not a servant of the Lord. Now we can eat, and we can drink, and we can have joy, but it has to be as we serve people as we minister to people. So striving after wealth is a very great danger because it causes us to neglect the real life, which is spiritual. It's not man. You remember Mark 4.19? But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in, and what happens in that person's life? Choke the word making it unfruitful. God knew the danger of wealth without a love for him. He knew our sinful nature would simply take this wealth and replace God. We would never say in the United States, our security is in our wealth. Even believers, we're going to say our security is in God, but we really don't live that way. And that was the scenario in the book of Hebrews. They were having to really face it. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're talking about our possessions. And by the way, let me remind you that there's nothing wrong with possessions. The Bible says God gave us all things richly to enjoy. So you don't have to look at somebody as you drive out of the parking lot. They will look at the car they got, look at the car I got, and they can't be very godly. And that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with our Love has to do with our love. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14. Notice what God warned the Israelites about. Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now he led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, and his venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. And you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his forefathers as it is today. Moses knew the danger of God blessing the nation. Moses knew that prosperity could immediately lead to forgetfulness and forgetfulness to disobedience. And disobedience would lead to replacing God with wealth. Have we done that in the United States? Probably. Definitely the unbeliever has. 
And we've been blessed because this nation was started with the trusting of God. Eventually, Moses says these people would think that their wisdom and their ability would give them blessings. Wealth doesn't bring peace of mind. I want you to think about that. Solomon Ecclesiastes 5.12 says this, People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. That's hard for us to understand here, but very easy to understand in Haiti, in India, in many parts of China, in Guatemala and Honduras. Many of the people there, they just work hard all day long. They have hardly nothing, but they sleep really well. And yet, if you watch the television over the last few years, you realize how many commercials we have now for sleeping medicine? You would never find that in the poorer countries. Why? They get home, they have a little bit of rice, In two minutes, what? They're out. They're gone. It's over with. Because they're getting up early the next morning to what? Do it again. Here, we got to take the latest. And then, of course, we have to have a double latte in the morning to wake up. Because there's something hanging over. What price tag can we put on a good night's sleep? There's no price tag. I think it's important for us just to understand if we'll worry comes usually because we have more stuff, we have more stock, we have more business deals, we have more land projects. Those of you that own a lot of rental properties or whatever, here's the phone again, here's the phone again, here's the phone again. I remember our first apartment, Linda and I. 1967, one-bedroom little apartment upstairs, 90 bucks a month, including electricity. Praise God. (laughs) We had fun there. We made a baby there. It was exciting. It was good. It was simple. Something went wrong, call the landlord. Today, I have to pay for somebody to come out big time, right? Because I'm stupid. I can't fix anything like that. It's just the way God made me. I'm studying for you. It's your fault. But let's be honest. Wealth brings more worry, brings more worry. Worry brings more tension. Intention destroys sleep. And then sleeplessness brings more anxiety, more fear. Relationships don't flow right. It's just amazing. By the way, what do you think in the United States and much of the world, what do you think about sleeplessness the last 10 nights? You think there's been an increase? Has there been an increase in you? See, most of us haven't got our statements yet. Wait till you get it. 
And you'll see that your net worth in one week. Let me give you another scenario. The rapture comes. All believers on the earth who are alive immediately go to heaven. Of course, those who have died in Christ, they come down, meet their bodies, they go to heaven. We're left on the earth for another seven-year period. It's a period of, well, it's called the tribulation. First three and a half years will be difficult. The last three and a half years is called the great tribulation. It'll be very difficult. Because for the very first time, we're going to see God's wrath on a world that has rejected him. Now, people will get saved during that time. They will realize that they missed it. Maybe those were the ones who wealth became their God. But let's just think about it. If we were meeting during that tribulation period, all of us had a little understanding of what took place. But here we are, and I'm teaching you, I didn't make it. And I'm teaching you, probably wouldn't even be allowed to do this, but let's just say we're allowed to do this. I'm teaching you. What am I going to tell you is coming? Is it going to be worse than what happened to the Hebrews? In the book of Hebrews, where they went home and they had a home, but half their income was gone and half this, it was going to be worse? Oh, it's going to be way worse. Why is it going to be that way? Remember what I said to you at the beginning. Money equals what? Power. Revelation 13. The Antichrist, he also forced everyone, small, great, rich, poor, free, or slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, the mark of the beast, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. During those days, that seven-year tribulation, Satan will use this earthly ruler, the Antichrist, to try to keep control of every person who is living. When this takes place, we will have a one-world government a one-world religion, which is going to be worshiping the Antichrist, and a one-world economy. That one-world economy will be basically a cashless society where every financial transaction can be monitored electronically. You say, well, how will that happen? Well, again, that mark of the beast. We know all of that kind of stuff is available. I want to show you the reason you really have to use this card. Almost everybody, the 8 million or whatever that live in Hong Kong, 8 million people live in this very small thing. So they don't have time to stop and never give cash. They don't have time on their subway to stop and get change or put a coin in. So everybody buys an octopus card. We did the same thing. And you can go to your 7-Eleven or anywhere else and just queue it up add more to it all the time. So this is the cashless society. That's how you 
shop in many stores. That's how you get around with transportation, that you can buy food with this. There's just a million ways you can use this. This is the beginning of a cashless society. It's already in place in our world today. It's not something bizarre or weird. It's a picture of what's happening. The stage is being set. Now, someone has said this very wisely. If Wall Street gets a cold, Japan, Hong Kong, and London, and the rest of the world start sneezing immediately. Did you see what happened the last week? We're headed to what? A one-world economy. We're headed there. This is not a coincidence, guys. All that we've been studying in the Bible is coming. So I have to watch two things. One, that my wealth doesn't become my God. Because we live in a country where we're wealthy. Number two, I have to learn to be content because I don't know what's going to happen. Paul would say he could be content whether he had much or nothing. Anybody arrived there yet? I haven't. But that brings us to our second key. Notice Hebrews 13.5. Go back there if you will. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Command number two, be content with what you have. In other words, you be content with what you have. What does the word content really mean? It simply means this, fully satisfied with whatever God brings into my life. You see, Jesus knew that the money monster would never satisfy us. King Solomon was able to have everything your wild imagination could come up with. And he pursued it all in that book of Ecclesiastes with these words. It's all emptiness. It's simply a waste of time. Solomon warned against being discontent. Notice Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. And my question to me and you is, are you? Are you showing a little bit of restraint? There was a story about a monk, and I thought it's a great story to share with you. They asked a monk this. In all your journeys around the world, who do you like to work with best? The rich or the poor? His answer was, the rich. The interviewer said, well, why? He said, the poor live under the delusion that money can bring happiness. The rich already know it cannot. Since we live as rich people in the world, not many people richer than us, have we learned that? Have you and I learned that more doesn't bring contentment? It's something we have to work with. You know something? It'll sound strange to you. I have this written in my Bible. This discontent is part of our nature. 
our sin nature. Remember where Adam and Eve were placed? They were placed in the garden. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark taught about how hard it is for rich people to be Christ followers. He talked about how Americans, in comparison to the rest of the world, are incredibly wealthy. He found out that although God doesn't necessarily want you to be in poverty, He does want you to trust Him and to remember that stuff doesn't hold a candle to heaven. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish this message, Ah, Contentment. You'll find out why the Bible, although it's not against wealth, doesn't advocate for seeking to become rich. You'll hear from the Apostle Paul about the benefits of contentment. Pastor Mark will tell you about refocusing your attention on the kingdom of God and off of acquiring better things here. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Have seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurry.